Welcome back to the Let's Be Friends podcast. Today's episode is an amazing one. We have a testimony from a friend of mine, formerly known as Lala Beams Online. She's now Please No Psyop, um, and she's a podcaster. She has been saved from the new age and has found Jesus Christ, just like me, in a very similar way, but she has her own story. A very interesting connection between she and I because we met in 2020 when we were both in more of the truthing community and exposing what was going on in this world and waking up to all the de- all of the deception of 2020. And she actually came on the podcast and then we sort of went a little bit of separate ways and as God has it by his will, we found ourselves pretty much back at the same spot and here we are together and she is sharing her testimony about how Jesus found her, how she was saved, how she discovered the new age deception, how she discovered an even deeper deception in the truther community, also in the Christian church, where we discuss later in their conversation how Christianity is actually being infiltrated by the new age. And once you've been in the new age, the Luciferian labyrinth, as I like to call it, and you find your way out, you can really see it. You speak the language and you understand it. And in this conversation, we go really deep on the different ways that the New Age has really seeped its way into Christianity and how it's a lot bigger than anybody really realizes. Because once you leave the New Age, it's like leaving a cult and you have to deprogram. But once you do that, you speak the language. And now um, all you want to do is, is help other people find their way out. So the first hour of this episode is available right now, right here, right now for you. And if you enjoy this conversation, please sign up to become a member at the Let's Be Friends podcast.com. And you can have access to the second half of our conversation where we really go deep and we really get raw talking about all the ways that the new age has infiltrated not just the truth or community, not just the quote unquote great awakening, but the, the Christian um, church. And yeah, it's a it's an awesome conversation. Help support the podcast. That's, that'd be amazing. We've got Jesse the Thinker coming next week for members for a Q&A. She was just on the podcast, the Dark versus Light episode. Members are getting bonus episodes. When you sign up, you have access to like eight bonus episodes and I'm dropping a couple every month. You get access to the video archive, become a member, join the friendship membership, and join us on monthly chats, uh, meet people that are like-minded in the community, make new friends. You get to support the podcast. It keeps the show running ad-free. So thank you so much. Thank you for being a friend and enjoy this conversation with Lala Beams, formerly known as, rather, and now Please No Psyop. And you can find her on Instagram at Please No Psyop. And you can also check out her podcast on Spotify and Apple, and the link is in the bio. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Let's Be Friends podcast. With us today is my friend Lala Beams. She is the host of Lala Says Please No Psyop podcast, formerly known as the Lala Beams podcast. Like me, she was saved this past year out of the new age by Jesus Christ. She now uses her platform to expose the darkness, being as wise as the serpent and as innocent as the dove. 
I'm excited to have her here with us today to both share her amazing testimony and to join me in exposing what I like to call the Luciferian labyrinth, aka the New Age cult. Welcome, yes. girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here on your show. Um, and for anyone listening, she was just on mine sharing her testimony. So that was great as well. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I had so much fun sharing my story on your podcast. I cried. Uh, we got <laughs> moved. I mean, I haven't cried about my story in a while. So I was actually like pretty happy about that just because it's, you know, when you're when you're saved from the deception that we were in, like we're literally you're saved from hell. Like this is the mo- it's it's the most profound thing and the most important thing. And I think when we share our testimonies, it really helps other people. And so I'm so excited to have you on to share your story today because because a little bit about us, we've been friends in the online community for a while. We were in the new age together. And actually, you came on Let's Be Friends, um, one of my first episodes. And then we kind of had a little bit of a falling out. And then you came around months later and apologized to me. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. People don't often do this. And I was just so touched and honored by it. And then you, what was happening, I think on the back end is you were being reborn and you were being pulled out of the deception and saved. And it's just so amazing to see us both here today saved out of the new age, Luciferian labyrinth and here to honor Jesus Christ and talk about how this has gone in the flesh. He's here to save people and to share our stories. So why don't you take our, our listeners into to your story? Oh, wow. So <clears throat> how far back should I go here? Um, go all the way to the beginning, girl. <laughs> this is your time. Okay. So um, I was a child with a, a father, basically, who was a devout Christian, so he said, Um which is just very interesting what I've learned later on about him, but it was what completely pushed me away from God. Uh, He was abusive and a cheater and all kinds of stuff. And so I just witnessed a lot of, uh, uh, I had a lot of trauma due to him at a very young age and witnessing what he put my mother through and uh, all the while proclaiming Jesus Christ And so I said to myself, well, if that's what a Christian is, I want nothing to do with that. My mom still brought us to church after they were uh, no longer together. And so I had a couple encounters with the Holy Spirit from a young age. Now I know that. But at the time, it wasn't like we were going every Sunday and my mom was not really talking to us about the Bible or God um, there, there wasn't a solid foundation being built. So when I started to rebel in my teenage years, uh, part of that was, um, involved, you know, a lot of drinking and stuff like that, but also in searching for the meaning of life and all of that, I started to watch truth or documentaries, even way back then loose change about nine 11 zeitgeist, which I attribute to, um, the string of a lot of souls because there was a segment where they talked about the different pagan, um, false, uh, Trinity, which is prevalent in all different kinds of cultures and started with Babylon, which was, you know, one of Satan's favorite tactics is to counterfeit the truth. And so because of that, I was deceived in believing that Jesus Christ was uh, just like any of those. And 
I started to delve into Buddhism and Hinduism ideologies. I loved Albert Einstein and his pseudoscience that upheld, excuse me, upheld the false beliefs, um, which I can talk more about my beliefs on that now, but the E equals MC squared in particular, that uh, formula means energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. So any mass traveling at that speed is an energy ball, according to Einstein. And then he also said that energy cannot be created or destroyed. And so, and I love math, if you can't tell. So when I, when I was like, well, it's just mathematically possible that with reincarnation and blah, blah, blah. And so like I used his pseudoscience as a way to think that I figured out secrets and forbidden knowledge, but that was also always by design what he was doing. It has nothing to do with figuring out uh, anything other than pushing deceit onto unknowing victims like myself. And so I was really, really deep into my deception and I thought I knew everything and I thought Christians were stupid and brainwashed. And I um, would have debates with my brother who was saved like at age 17. Uh, And we would just go in round and round and he would tell me about his beliefs. I would tell him about my beliefs and there was no saving me. Um, So decades literally go by (laughs) and uh, my brother keeps praying for me and I told my mom maybe like two years ago. Now she told me that I should like find a church. Um, I remember thinking that I would take my daughter to church, but bring her to like a Hindu temple and then a Christian church and like show her all of the different beliefs. That's, that's kind of what I, what my thoughts were that there was a little bit of truth in everything. And then I like, obviously COVID changed a lot for a lot of people. When I started to engage in the Patriot truther movement, as I like to call it, um, I started to see and notice that the COVID situation was like a spell because there was so much information to make people question it that they, and they weren't. And so I realized that it was fully a spell that they were under some, a veil And it was the first time I ever considered God's grace, which I feel like was totally him planting that idea in my mind because I did not even know what that was or meant. And when I started to realize that it was God's grace that I could see and that I was not under the spell, I turned to him for the first time in like 15 years. I may, I maybe have prayed in that desperate way where you are just like, God help me, or, you know, in a selfish way. Uh, And during that time, but it was the first time I prayed to God. I would say ever, because it was the first real prayer where I said to God, use me for your will. Those were my words to him. And knowing what I know now, I feel like that was totally, you know, the Holy Spirit talking through me because using me for his will is something that many Christians don't even pray for it because they don't understand that it's not about us. It's about him and his will. And so for, I don't know why, but the answer came really quick. The next week I went to a local 
a community event that I was a part of for the Patreon endeavors that I was involved in. And there was a pastor who uh, started speaking about how churches need to be involved in the culture war. And I was moved by his message. I felt the Holy Spirit when he was talking. My, I had uh, goosebumps all over my arms. And so I went up to him and I said, and I realized that I had actually played soccer with his daughter 20 years before that. I had been to his church before And there's like a million people in my county. So the odds of that are very low. And I realized that God had answered me and was trying to nudge me to go to that church. So I told the pastor that, and I told him I would be there Sunday and I went and I felt still like sitting in the parking lot. I remember I was just like, what am I doing here? Like this, this is stupid. And I just went in anyways, and I went up into the balcony and I felt the Holy Spirit and I, they, the worship music came on. I started to cry like immediately because I just felt naked. That's the way I describe it. I was naked. All my sins were there and I felt convicted, but at the same time, it was the most overwhelming love, a tangible comfort, a tangible love. And that's what, that's where the tears came in because you felt the most love you ever felt while being aware of just how sinful your nature is. And I left confused. I said to myself, okay, that was weird. Something definitely happened there, you know, but I was so, I was so deceived by all of the lies of like Jesus being an ascended master and um, uh, all, all of them. I mean, we can go down the list of all of them. And so I asked God to show me the truth about his son, because for some reason I understood the Holy spirit more than I understood Christ. Um, just the spiritual realm made more sense to me. And I could not put the the physical act that Jesus came and did to make sense for my salvation. And so I asked God to reveal that truth to me. So I spent the next couple of weeks just trying to disprove uh, the resurrection and disprove that what he's, what the Bible said happened, happened. And I just kept finding, you know, more evidence for it. And I just was like, okay, well, the thing that I've been saying is evidence does not change you. You can read the truth. That's that's not what changes you. It's it's the Holy Spirit that you're born again and filled with. But I finally, after weeks, decided to crack open the Bible. And it was when I read in John 14, Philip asking, and I don't know how I got there or how I started there or what, but uh, as God would have it. Philip was asking Jesus, Hey, so can you just prove to us that you're the father? And Jesus said, you know, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but he said, uh, haven't you been following me? Like watching me do all these miracles and witnessing all the acts that I've been doing. Like, what do you mean? Like how, wh- how much more proof do you need? And like, when he said that, it was like, he was talking directly to me <laughs> and I was just like, at that moment, that's when the scales fell off my eyes. And that is when I realized that, okay, I'm born again and I am a Christian. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. 
Um, I just have chills as you're saying all this. I just want to say that like all the way to the crown of my head. And um, that's how the Bible works. So, you know, you it, it you open like God brings you to a certain page and it's literally like it's speaking right to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so after that, I was still, as I'm sure you understand, like shaken and yeah. like, OK, okay so like <laughs> now what? Like, yeah. so now <laughs> everything that I've ever said and thought is a lie. And now everyone who I've ever talked to in my life that knows me intimately, I have to like go to them and tell them like, I was wrong about everything. And actually I love Jesus Christ. Like, so now what God? (laughs) And, um, I asked him, okay, so like now I can, uh, you know, delete my Instagram, right? Like, I don't need that anymore. (laughs) And he's like, nope, you are going to be just as loud in your salvation as you were in your deception. And that was a clear message from him. Oh, which by the way, I wanted to add because that day when I got back from church, I was confused and feeling like that. But that day I went, I went outside and there was a double rainbow in front of my house. And it was like the biggest rainbow I've ever seen. It was clearly like centered on my house. And um, so that was like such another confirmation that I was like, you know, it was the first day of the rest of my life. It was, I was obedient to God and he was pleased with me. And it was the beginning of my walk with him. And looking back now is just so romantic and uh, beautiful, you know, but um, absolutely. So I go on my Instagram (laughs) and I'm like, all right, you know, because like, I'm it, laughing because I I get this so deeply. Sorry, like because I went through the same. Keep going. No, I know it's, it's like, so hey I'm guys, like, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> and so I'm like on there, you know. And I was I before I became a uh, before my account, you know, transformed into what it is now. Um, I was more of like a meme account. I never really like shared news, but I did share memes that I created about the news. And I was kind of always my whole life and even still, um, I never beat to the drum of everyone else. And so I kind of stood out in that way before, but, and I don't care, like God created me in my deception and now in my salvation to be bold, unafraid of confrontation and, um, a lover of debate about heated topics. Like that's just how he created me. I always say that I miss my calling. I should have been a lawyer, but that's how he created me. And so I go on there and I remember I started to post about what I was finding, um, about the new age, because I asked God like, well, what about all this and this and this that I think is true? You know, I, I, I always ask him like, show me the truth about it. And he always shows me the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the truth is that I found the, the root of the new age, which is not the root of it all. It's just more like a branch on the tree of deception. But the new age branch was started from Helena Blavatsky, Alistair Crowley, Alice Bailey, and Albert Pike. All of their ideologies combined into one, which is Luciferian, Freemasonic, magic, occult magic, uh, lies, channeled messages from fallen angels, demons. So that when I started to find that, wow, these people literally believe Lucifer is their God. They believe that Lucifer is the light bringer who sets us free from our evil slave master, God, our heavenly father. 
and I was floored. And so I'm posting the information and I start to get attacked because I had followers that believed and liked all of this stuff because that's what my content was about before. And so I would post things about, you know, ascended consciousness, or I would blaspheme the Bible and things like that. And so I would post, um, complete opposite of what I started to expose. And then, uh, when I started to get attacked, I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to even expose even further. So I start to expose <laughs> meditation. I start to expose <laughs> yoga. Here I come st- the bombs <laughs> the new agers. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just started to expose all of like the, the ones that were like jarring to a normal person because people think that's like extreme. But for me, it was clear to me that it was normalized in our society for reasons that we're trying to uh, get people to sacrifice their body to go into a higher state of consciousness so that the unclean spirits can use your body as a vessel. And so I did my best to explain that concept, which, you know, this isn't human wisdom. This comes from God. He's the one who showed this to me, revealed this to me. And so I uh, continued to get attacked. I, I was like, God, take the people away that do not need this message. I do not want to push people further away from God, but the ones with ears to hear, let them hear. And in doing so, um, I started a Bible study shortly after that, because there were women and people coming to me who would, who were seeing what I was showing. And there was, there is a group of people who have come out of the new age through the post that God used my post to get them. And they're in my Bible studies still to this day. So in the midst of the attacks, I would never take back a second of it, no matter how many tears I've cried, no matter how many people backstabbed me. I, first of all, I thank God for the refinery that he was putting me into because I made a lot of mistakes because to be put in that situation as a brand new baby Christian, you act out of your fleshly desires. You, you, you retaliate against them. You say things you shouldn't. And, um, I learned how to be, how not to be made a lot of mistakes and I probably owe, well, I do owe a lot of people apologies, um, from that, that I hope one day I get to rectify. Um, and then there's people that no matter what I said, that they would never even believe that my apology was sincere or that I really did learn from my mistakes. But, um, and, and then to go further into it a little bit, that was like a year ago. Then I started to see a lot of similarities between the new age and the Patriot Truther movement. And I, prayed a lot about that too. And God started to reveal that to me. And so I was like, dang, like I really have to go back in there and do this again. <laughs> Once and so- again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I girl, I've been going through it too. You're I I relate to everything you're saying so much. And I and this truth or like conspiracy stuff is a pretty it's like a new thing for me recently. It's like, all right, keep going, girl. I'm loving okay. this. So I and after, after the new age stuff I did, um, you know, I, I think all of that was so necessary for me because it did teach me so much. And when I was like at my end, like when I was like, I cannot handle any more insults or attacks or being kicked while I'm down. Like, I just can't, 
I'm just trying my best to be a follower of Christ operating like the best that I can. And when I could, didn't think that I could like handle one more uh, instance of that, all of my friends that I was surrounded with at that time backstabbed me and let, and the like spit on me as I was crying, like asking them like to please, you know, hear, like hear me out or whatever. I was accused of. I I think that I got a taste of my own medicine in a lot of ways uh, Mm. of how I treated others, Mm -hmm. which humbled me a lot. And God was removing people from my life that were not, were not good for me. And they weren't good influences on how to be a real follower of Christ. And so I thank him for that, but, and in doing that, so the next phase of it was to try to reveal some of the truth about the Patriot truth or movement, which has the new age spirit in it. And I realized that I was having patriotism as an idol for myself. Um, I fully submitted to God's will for me and for our country. And I see that there is judgment being passed on America and that all of the people who think that they're fighting for America and for our rights and freedom, that they are doing things that also are making God happy because he hates idol worship. And um, there's still a lot of that happening, even in the church and in, in the Christian faith. Um, so I just backed up even more. Um, I just want more and more of him, less and less of me. And I don't care about any of the worldly freedoms. Um, I, I often talk about Paul writing letters from jail, talking about grace and loving the people, you know, who did those things to him as he was a murderer of Christians himself. And then he found himself in jail. Never once was he like, this is tyranny. They're not letting me uh, they're not letting me, uh, worship God. Like I'm in jail. This is awful. Tear down the, no, that never happened. The Bible clearly says not to retaliate. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus was led to slaughter and he didn't say a word. And the, the fact of the matter is scripture says that this world is passing away. So what are we fighting for? We're fighting for a country that, bombs other countries for money and power and one that steals children um, from the three letter agencies, you know, they, they facilitate that like this country is a, is nothing to fight for in, in, in my opinion anymore. Um, does that mean that I, wait, is this hit- the same Lala beams that <laughs> I've talked to like a year ago? Like you're, you, you're just like hearing what you just said. I'm like, this is just example of how God totally refines you and how you become reborn. Yes. And, and and I don't want that to be misconstrued because am I thankful that I was born in America? Absolutely. Because in other countries you get beheaded for being a Christian still to this day. So yes, I am thankful to be an American, but that doesn't change the facts of who America is and what America has done and the blood on her hands. And, um, you know, the, the election, COVID, all of that was a huge wake up call that brought a lot of people back to God. And I think that's something that people often say about anything, just fill in the blank, like Kanye right now. Oh, he's bringing so many people back to God. It's like, 
Does that mean that it's good? Like COVID brought a lot of people back to God. Does that mean that it's good? No, it means that God can use anything to bring people back to him. Amen. He absolutely can. And it was definitely COVID, which sparked me coming back to him too. I had to fall into the Luciferian labyrinth first into that new age trap. And I think, you know, about sometimes God wants us to go into these certain areas so that we understand them. And then once we're saved and we come out, we we can go in there and like help people shine the light of Jesus, the only light of God to help them come out because we understand it. And you're when you're talking about Paul, about like, you know how you, you first you're like, then I had to go back. I'm like, God, do I still have to be on social media? And he's like, yeah. And then you have to go back on and like, hi, I'm Christian now. And like everything that I've been calling out, like I'm denouncing that. And y'all are going to probably call me crazy. And I have to go imagine how Paul felt like, you know, like how, when he, you know, switched teams essentially. And I, you know, I went through that too. Not the same as, as you did. And my account wasn't really that big. Thank God when I made that shift, but I definitely like had to uh, like apologize for channeling for people and like all the things I'd been talking about and online and even on this podcast. But I was, I feel like God kind of protected anything that I said from really getting a larger audience until I succumbed to him and humbled myself. And I'm grateful for that, but it's still not easy coming out and saying, all this was wrong. And I'm just sorry that you went through that hard time. I I felt a lot of compassion for you. And, and I told you last time when we were chatting on your podcast that there were random times where I would just pray for you. Like we don't necessarily like talk all the time, but we know each other and we're sisters in Christ. And I knew that you had been going, I knew kind of what you were going through because I was going through it on my own. And I was just kind of watching from a distance, how you were changing and stuff. And there were just a few times where I really prayed a lot for you and, and hearing now it's like you were being attacked and you were being like your own people were coming at you, like you said, like and spitting on you essentially. And, but really like that was the refining process because we do have, I've seen it in my own life. You lose a lot of people when you start, uh, standing next to Jesus and like being really loud and bold for Christ. Like you watch people drop out of your life, like flies. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the hardest part for me was to watch people who I believed were followers of Christ and, um, you know, I, I, I still think that they are brothers and sisters in Christ that were doing those hurtful things to me. Um, and it, to me, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've learned to forgive without apologies and trust that it comes together for his good. Um, because I don't know he knows the plan for my life more than I know the plan for my life but I'm so thankful for those times. Like I've, he taught me so early how to fully trust him and to fully rely on him. And I, I read two Corinthians one so much. It's just the the very beginning part of it talks about how you go through suffering and how it's the suffering is for your salvation and how your suffering will be used to comfort others the same way God comforts us in our suffering. And the bottom line is that we're going to suffer whether we follow Christ or not, because that's the nature of life itself. But to suffer for Christ makes us partners with him. And we know that we're on the winning team now. And we know that the suffering, when I read that scripture about suffering being for your salvation, what that means is that you're suffering and going through that refining process. Because if you are being attacked 
and you attack back, now you're the one who's in the wrong. But yep. if you are getting attacked and you take it with grace and you do not attack back and you cannot be um, triggered or, you know, Satan can't use that bait to get you to sin, then you are being refined and being purified because Christ would not have retaliated. And he wants people like him in heaven and somewhere in revelation, it says that nothing unclean goes through those gates. And like, so he needs to purify you to get there and know that we are going to be the people that he wants us to be the people that he is like the wheat and tares. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that that's separating between like good and bad people. And it could mean that, but I I think it's also within ourselves that he's burning off the tares within ourselves. That way what's left is only pure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like God wants a clean, blemish-free bride, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I love Second Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 7.10, <clears throat> excuse me, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. That was one of the first um, passages when I started studying the Bible that really hit my heart and really like spoke to me because I was like, people always say, why do bad things happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Well, man does bad things. You know, I mean, it's Adam and Eve that made that choice to make that to, to sin and um, for that spiritual death to happen to us. God didn't force that upon us. God didn't force COVID to happen. Man created that. But this and this negative thing where, you know, people did get sick, like the whole world changed. Everything's different. Like there's a lot of negative stuff from it. But out of that, like, look at lots of people have been saved like you and I. And it just, that's to me, it's like, we, we often hit our rock bottom and the world kind of hit a rock bottom during COVID Uh and I've hit my rock bottom and caught any way you could. I was like, I hit the rock bottom (laughs) and I'd bounce up and then I slam down and hit it again. It was like, Kara, how many times you have to hit your rock bottom to realize you had to humble yourself Uh and go to God and give it to God. And even when these people are attacking us, like you say, we don't want to uh, react to them because that gives Satan ammunition. Um, Proverbs nineteen eleven: good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And I've actually been thinking a lot about this later lately because I had some pretty major, ang- pretty major anger problems in my life. Like that was a big problem for me. I would get really mad and just like start like yapping my mouth and get really righteous and mad at people and have to argue and say my point and fight back on everything and take offense and you interrupted me or you did it and it was just like exhausting and it was a spirit I think of anger kind of like within me and I was feeding it when I fought back but even I think Paul says I to Timothy um maybe in first or second Timothy like don't um don't get involved in foolish arguments. Like it just, it's a devil's trap. Yep. Yep. I love that. It's a, I've never heard that scripture. Uh, it's one's glory to overlook an offense. Yeah. It's like loving your enemies is the greatest gift that God could ever teach you because there's never going to be a shortage of enemies being on his team. And you know, I think about how the the political sphere has created this climate of hate, no matter what side you're on. So the right, they believe that they're fighting for righteous endeavors such as, and they are, you know, in some respects, like yeah, uh, the trans agenda for one is one that has been on my heart. Not yes. killing babies too. Yes. Pro-life. Yeah. 
there is a trans agenda that is targeting children. Yes. And because of that, there are victims who are now the product of that. These individuals are still human beings that God loves and you feeding the beast and hating them because they are confused and they've probably been in abusive situations and the government has taken control of their insecurities and doubts and, and convinced them to that that is their only answer to be happy. We should have pity and love them even more. And that's what God called us to love the outcast, to love the sinner and to love our enemies because there was one scripture uh, in one of the gospel where it said that God is kind to the wicked and like uh, something about loving the thankless. Like he does it, he doesn't do it for thanks and he's kind even to the wicked. Like there's, there's no amount of shortage of love that he has. And um, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be ambassadors of Christ and we can have, we can speak the truth in love to people about situations like this, but to have hate for an individual who is maybe identifies as a different gender, they are deceived in the same way that I was deceived by the new age. They're just deceived by something else. And if you as a Christian are just going to show them hate that they expect from you, how is that going to make any difference in their life or how they view Christ? Yeah, absolutely. I've thought a lot about that lately. Um, just like even it seems like there's a lot of Christians out there that just want to call out other people's sin or what they're doing wrong. It feels kind of pharisaical. And I experienced a lot of this when I was first coming out of the new age. Like I hadn't gone through and scrub clean every old podcast where I talked about the Galactic Federation or, you know, taken down um, any one eyes that I had around because I, you know, I had a lot of psychedelic stuff. I was really into all of that and mm-hmm. kind of that, you know, that sort of symbolism stuff is a part of all of that because it's mm-hmm. mind programming. And it was just like I was getting called out left and right all the time about my sins. And and I, I, I remember reading in Matthew where it's like, we don't like talk about the speck in someone else's eye without looking in the rod in your eye. And so there's just this kind of nastiness of calling out that's going on like one sin. My sins are so bad and no one wants to look at how we all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And why are we, what is it doing to just call people out, call people out about their stuff? Like you're talking about with this, the transgender um, agenda or even the homosexual agenda. Yes, we know that like God, you know, burnt, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because there was, you know, because of what was going on there and all that. But that doesn't mean that we need to sit in like, persecute our brothers and sisters right now like what's that going to do to bring them back that's going to push them away and and in fact when these christians were just calling me out these pharisaical christians online like at first i was like this is what if this is christianity like i don't know if i want to be a christian because i was i i wrote a chapter in my book that's called the last place i ever thought i'd be which is a christian because literally this is the mm-hmm. last place i mean that to me has got to be a testimony to people like i literally was just like this partier psychedelic taker like rebeller like every way i could didn't even think jesus had lived and now i'm like yeah i'm a christian well because i believe jesus christ is god in the flesh and that he is the only way for our salvation into God. So that makes me a Christian. But then you have these Christians that are acting a certain way online and they're not being kind. They're not loving each other. They're going against what I feel that is in that my heart is who I am as a person and other Christians. Um, and I know the heart can be deceiving, but I'm just saying like, as a, as a good person, 
so it just made me think like, I think that they're doing a lot of damage um, by going around and just calling out everybody's sin and judging everybody so harshly. And I just don't think that is really the way to bring people to God and to Jesus. Yeah, there is um, in one John four, 20 through 21, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates the fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And um, you'll, love you know, that. the Bible tells us that we'll, you'll know them by their fruit and the fruit that of the spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, long suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So in that, you know, you exhibit those fruit, like, yes, we make mistakes because I struggle with anger myself sometimes, but what does long suffering mean? You know, what is self-control? These are, this is, it's by the power of the Holy spirit that we're able to exhibit these characteristics because that is how the Messiah was. That is how Christ was. And so when we're in the midst of these attacks, like, or even on the other side for those people who were doing it to you or me, it's like, were they operating under these fruit of the spirit, you know? Yep. And like I said, you can speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean that you have to be a pushover, but are you really pointing out the flaws in someone because you're trying to purify and edify them and help them on their walk? Or are you doing it so you can say, look how unrighteous this person is. Look at this. Like they are not. God knows my heart. I have been called a fake Christian so much. They've made fun of mm. my baptism. They've called me a witch. They've made up lies that I have altar in my room. I was never a witch. Even before I was a Christian, I was just a deceived uh idiot <laughs> that believed all of these things, you know, and I did a bunch of psychedelics myself. And so I thought, you know, I was, uh, I thought I was more enlightened than people, but they do. That's what that's I, the deception of them. You become Lucifer's enlightened, but I was never a witch. I never, ever did anything. I never like even owned a Wiccan book. I had like astrology books. I had crystals. I, I never was a witch. And I was just like, these people are blatantly lying and they're repeating it over and over. You repeat a lie enough times, it becomes a truth to some people. And that's what happened to me. I witnessed my own friends turn against me because they decided to start believing lies that were told about me. And wow. um, so I, I think back to that because my world is filtered through scripture. Um, does that mean that I'm perfect? No, I know I need a savior and I think back to, you know, the woman who washed, uh, yeah, she was feet with his, uh, with her tears. And I think back to, um, the man who went in and was crying and begging for a say, you know, he needed the savior and the one sheep that he left the 99 for, and just all the stories of righteousness and sinners and the people who know their desperate need for their savior, which I have, and there's no one and no amount of lies that anyone can ever make me or take that away from me because there's one judge and he, and he is the judger of hearts and he knows there's nothing you can hide in the spiritual realm. You can't hide your thoughts, your intentions, your, 
you sure can't hide your words because we all hear them, you know, but that's what I ask for now is I don't even want to sin in my thoughts or my intentions. I want genuine love to outpour from me. So even when I'm thinking something wrong or I'm being nice out of a necessity and not because a genuine want to be nice, you know, that's what repentance is. It's a change. It's not just about asking for forgiveness. It's the change of your inner mind and your inner being. And that's why we need to repent. We need that change because we fight with our fleshy desires every day and our fleshy desires by evidence to what we see in the world is disgusting and hateful and mean. So we need a savior to help us. We need the fruit of his spirit to shine through us and to give us strength to forgive without apologies, to look the other way, to turn the other cheek when someone is attacking or insulting you. That's only done through the power of the Holy Spirit because otherwise pride gets in the way, arrogance gets in the way, um, you know, all kinds of things. So absolutely. I love how bold you are. I, I love that about you and how you said earlier, I could have probably been a lawyer. I was like, yeah, she could have totally. <laughs> um, and, and that's like, that's who you are. You're like, you know, you're strong. You're that kind of warrior. And y- you know, you were crusading like that, um, about the truther and a little bit about the new age too. And I just love that God's using you for how he made you for his glory now and for his works. It's just amazing to see. I just, I just wanted to say that I love that about you. I love how bold you are. Never, never lose that. And it does take though, I, I feel I'm a bold person too. And, and I understand like, you know, the anger stuff and like the wanting to fight back. And I've been called a witch too. I've been called whatever people want to say. I, I've been called a transvestite. I've been called Illuminati, Mason, everything you could say. It's been called to me. And I got to the point where I finally just had to give it to God, give it to God, give it to God. Cause what you're saying right now, I'm only here to please one person and that's God. That's it through Jesus Christ. That's it. Like, I'm not here to, of course I want to, I'm going to be kind to my neighbor. I mean, I want to be the best, nice, like the best person I can be, but it doesn't matter what all these other people are going to say about me. I just, God knows my heart. He knows who I am. He knows the truth. I don't, and the truth doesn't need defending. The truth speaks for itself. And it does take a little bit of time though, to be refined when you have that fire in you and, and God's, you know, he's doing that with both of us. And I love it because it's this boldness that this world needs more of. Um, Lucifer's got tons of it over in the new age. You can, I made a post recently. It's like, I've never seen people so offended by my new faith. Like when I talked about Buddha and I talked about aliens and the Galactic Federation and coexist, everybody loved it. It was just like, yay, yay. And the moment I start talking about Jesus, it's great. Just like the demons get irked in people, you know, like it's just, it's wild, isn't it? It really is. I was thinking the other day and all of our time, like the years go by BC and AD And it's literally all based on Christ. Like our entire timeline is based on Christ before Christ and after. And I was thinking to myself, why would that all be just based on a lie? You know, because if it actually happened and it was a real thing that how could the whole world just decide that this was our measure of time, you know, and it's just, it's so crazy because when you talk to people who are still deceived, they say the same things I used to say. So I get it. And they talk about, you know, the Bible being written by man um, and all things, you know, just the same blasphemous lies I used to say. 
but the encounter with the Holy Spirit is something that is real and it's something that no one can take away from me. And they're never going to convince me otherwise, because not only did I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I was demonically oppressed for a while right after because I had willingly opened the doors to all of these uh, Babylonian practices that I did not realize. So in doing the psychedelics and doing the third eye meditations and doing things like that. Um, oh, being uh, promiscuous. So uh, opening that door, uh, alcohol, um, all kinds of sins and transgressions and iniquities open doors in the spiritual realm. And so I started to get demonically oppressed. I was having injected thoughts. I was having images of gore of family members that, you know, I was just seeing them get in accidents or like their mangled bodies and things that were just horrible. Um, and I started to have panic attacks, which I'm not anxious. I don't, I never get anxious. It's a, it's a huge blessing. I know it's like in, the, in this world, I don't know how, but I'm not an anxious person at all. And so when I started to get panic attacks, I was like, this is, it, it was clear. It was a demonic yeah. attack. And so I learned about how to pray, about how to break strongholds, about repentance, about um, coming to God in my time of need, uh, fully relying on him for that too. And he delivered me from that. And so for someone to tell me that Jesus isn't real, uh, well, they weren't attacking me when I wasn't on his team. It was when I started to be a warrior for him and and proclaim my love for him and change my whole life for him that they turned their face on me and started to use their legal authority against me. And then, um, thank God I was led to repentance and to deliverance of myself through him. And so no one can tell me he isn't real. Like I've, I've had a real experience in the spiritual realm and witnessed the enemy in work and what they do when you, when you switch sides. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why your testimony and sharing your story is so important because nobody can take that away. You know, that's mm -hmm. real. This is your life. And then, like you said, judge people by their fruits. Look at your fruits now. Like you're a different person. You've changed. Like this experience was very real. And I love that you're bringing up deliverance because I wanted to talk to you about that because I um, coming out of the new age and ha myself having done different things, sinning and opening myself up to, um, you know, making little deals with Satan, essentially. And like he comes to pay. He comes for payment eventually. You know, he's like I had, so, you know, but I've been kind of like feeling like I want to talk more about the deliverance process and what it was like and how you went through it, because I do feel like it's a confusing area, especially as a new believer and someone coming out of the new age that there's like these deliverance churches out there. There's people that believe you loose and bind spirits and cast them out. There's other people that believe this truth versus territory that Satan can't take territory over you, that the deliverance happens through learning the word of God and changing your life and repenting from your ways. So could you share a little bit about the deliverance process for yourself? Yeah, I had a really easy uh, process for myself looking back. Um, but there's a scripture in Hebrews 12, 24, it says, um, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling 
that speaks better things than that of Abel. So it's implying that there is uh, the, the quality of his blood speaking. We know the blood purifies us and cleans us now, the, but there's a lot of scripture that talks about repentance because you're, you, Satan is the accuser. You have done all of these things. And so when you're on his team, he's not going to accuse you of anything. He's just like, all right, let her, you know, let her keep walking around and spreading my lies. She's doing great. Good job. <laughs> um, but then when you start to work against him, he's like, oh, wait, I have all of these things that you need to answer for. You, you used to do this. You used to do that. You used to do this. Oh, you think, you know, and so he starts accusing you and Jesus came, spilled blood. And uh, he came to leave us the Holy Spirit. And he also came to wash us clean with his blood. And so that is what that is what being delivered really is. It's it's a process that comes from you and Christ and him being the mediator between you and God. And so I like to say that when you have maybe like a paying like a ticket that you, a parking ticket maybe, and you go to like pay it at the courthouse and they say, well, no, like you, it's already been paid by somebody. And then they no longer, uh, you can't pay the, you can't pay the ticket. Even if you wanted to, it's been paid. So, but what did you do? You went to the courthouse and you went to make the, the payment in faith. Right. And, but then you come to find out it's already been paid for you. So when you come into these moments where you need deliverance, you're coming in faith that it's going to happen because he is, he did pay for our sins. And it's also an act of repentance because there is, um, there is things that need to happen and change within you. So if you continue to sin then you're just going to keep on, you're going to keep on getting accused of the sins. And that's why repentance is so important. There's scripture that, let me just find it really quick. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Two Corinthians 10, three through six says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what that means is that you are bringing every thought, intention, uh, word, everything that you've ever done into captivity to the obedience of Christ so that he can purify you and you no longer need deliverance because he's breaking down those strongholds, but you are the one who has to make those changes or else you're going to keep having things that need to be repented for, to be paid for. And so there's scripture too, that talks about your, uh, your weapons in your right hand is righteousness for attack. And in your left hand, righteousness for defense. And it goes along with everything that we're talking about. So when you're getting attacked, you defend yourself with righteousness. When you want to attack someone else, you attack them with righteousness. You attack them by being good. That is the best thing that you can do for yourself because you're just putting yourself in a place to be accused. Cause that's what he's waiting for. He's walking around, yep. crawling around. He's like, yep. Oh, there's your servant. Look at what they did. Look at what they thought. You know, that's yep. it's, it's a constant thing. They're waiting. He's waiting for you 
to do something that he can accuse you of. And so, yeah, sorry, that so, was a really so, long answer. No, I love, no, it was a really good answer. I think this is really important because the deliverance process, there's, 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 I think that these deliverance churches are just totally like, they don't feel biblical to me. Like you don't need some pastor to cast demons out of you or to go to some deliverance church and have some human being cast demons out of you. I don't even really think that we can cast demons out of ourselves. I think that Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's it. And God, you know, a lot, there's a lot of stuff in the old Testament about Jesus and the apostles, like casting demons out of people. And I think that that was really relevant at the time that they, that the, that Jesus let his apostles do that because they wanted, they needed proof that Jesus was God, you know, that this was God in the flesh. And that's, so it was relevant for that time. But then now today, I don't think that God's given pastors, even the authority to cast demons out of people or these exorcisms that go on. It's just not at all been what it's like been for me. My deliverance process personally has just been what you're saying, going through and repenting and changing my ways and studying the word and um, casting down my high imaginations and not doing like not taking psychedelics to open myself up to the spirit world and things like that. Um, And I kind of feel like, and like the, this like exorcisms and stuff, like, you know, it's the seven unclean spirits. Like, you know, that, that I think it's in, in Luke where he talks about like you know, demons cast out of you and then it goes and roams around and it comes back and it finds the place empty and it brings seven more demons greater with it. So what if like these, you know, pastors say they're, 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 they're casting out these demons from people and clearing them out, but actually God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's the only one who can do that. Well, then is that spirit going to come back because it really was only cast out just for a moment or just like when you take ayahuasca or you do, um, I don't know, psychedelics or meditation or yoga, whatever it is to clean yourself out. It's not done with the Holy Spirit. So then what do we have? Seven more spirits more wicked than the first that come back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, exactly. So like when I watch, there's so many traps set. So a new age isn't something that's like over here and now we're at a new age and it's no longer a thing. No, it's seeping its way into the church. Amen, girl. Things. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Thank you. Said it. Yes. <laughs> If you enjoyed our conversation and you're dying for the rest of it, you're interested, you're hooked, you want more, become a friend at the Let's Be Friends podcast. It's only $8 a month. You get access to bonus episodes, backstage videos, live events, Q&As with guests, and you just, you know, help keep the show running ad-free. And uh, I appreciate you. So thank you for being a friend. Have a great night. Bye.